0: oh hey so this podcast is about the personal experiences and identities of the lgbtq plus community you might hear some words or phrases about lgbtq identities that don't feel comfortable to you let's agree to listen with open hearts and to engage in the conversation respectfully in context and with no intent to harm please enjoy the show
1: It is always cool to chat to people who you've like talked to on the internet for quite a long time. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, we message you of, quite a lot, I guess, in DM and in tweets and stuff, but yeah, it's good to meet you yeah, properly, really oh, well, me as well as properly as you can.
0: <laughs> so, would you like to, for the podcast, properly introduce yourself so everybody knows who you are?
1: Hello everyone, I'm Katie Montgomery, um, I am an electronic engineer, metal head, and atheist and also full-time internet bellend. Um, I argue with lots of people. Oh, also, I'm, I'm a trans woman, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of relevant, and I spend a lot of time um, arguing about feminism and LGBT rights, um, both of which I'm very passionate about, um, and that causes me to get in a lot of scrapes with idiots. So,
0: yeah, I guess that's my introduction. I think that's what people know you for on Twitter. Um, yeah and and the kind of content they look for because you're actually very good at it. Like you're incredibly skilled and quick-witted at um, outsmarting the the frankly stupid arguments that come from mm-hmm. an, anti tra- the anti-trans crew and and um, gender criticals and things like that. So I, I think people look forward to reading your tweets because they're so snappy and on point
1: i hope so i i guess one thing so like you say on twitter is i guess what i'm known for is mm-hmm. just arguing with people which <laughs> kind of sounds a bit lame but it's true and i guess it's something that um, my parents probably hate is i do have a like a, a passion for arguing and and i like to think some kind of Ability to do it reasonably well And I do worry that people following me on Twitter Think oh it's great to see trans women Arguing back against these idiots And they follow me for a little bit And then they're like I just don't want to see any of this transphobia anymore Because obviously I end up platforming some of it to an extent Even though I'm taking down arguments People still might see it And um, I guess I never hold anyone Like I never hold it against anyone If they need to meet me or follow me Or block me or anything Like Mm -hmm. I know that like if you if you want to just see me not being a dickhead then come to my instagram but if you want to see me in action then come to twitter <laughs> how
0: do you, how do yeah. you feel about that how do you reconcile the fact that in order to fight and educate people and point out the the facts and the good information that you also have to put the the shit information in front of people as well that they may not want to see like they they may not want to see that how do you yeah
1: how, how do you I deal guess, with that i guess when i started twitter um i decided that i didn't ever want to censor what i thought in my positions and what i'm like and what i do
0: mm-hmm.
1: um And I know that following me is optional. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, if I, if if you are struggling with seeing these kinds of things, then don't feel like you you can follow other people, I guess. Um, But in terms of platforming, it is something I worry about. I have I have kind of the the standard two sides to this, and one side is I don't want to platform hate um, because people see hate and get affected by it but I also don't want to platform um, like I guess misinformation and things because sometimes lots of the transphobic arguments are just reactionary rubbish and I could do, they'll say something stupid and I could do a five tweet takedown of it but still someone might just read the first line mm. of the stupid and that, that goes into their brain much easier than the, the complicated reason why it's wrong um, but then opposed to that the other like side of that is that um, I don't ever want to, like, back down and run away from this I I always want to, like, I, either want, I want to be right And if that means, if, if someone comes up with this point And they show that I'm wrong Then I'm going to have to change my worldview And I don't want to, like, I don't want to become one of these, like, propaganda machines Like lots of the anti-trans Side does. I mean, of course, like any group does. Right. There are people who just put out positive content from their point of view, which is fair enough. Right. But I don't ever want to like be that because that's not what I'm interested in. I want to, I want to be right about this, and a good way to be right about it is to f- search out the arguments against your position and just try and take them down or get defeated by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's kind of what pushes me into it, especially when the anti-trans side, particularly in the UK, have managed to cultivate this media representation of trans people as people mm. who are scared of argument, people who are scared of debate, they, they won't even discuss like their own positions, and it's nonsense. I mean, I literally do that for a horrific amount of hours every single day, <laughs> um, and there, there isn't this, like, I mean, if there's an anti-trans argument out there that I haven't heard, I want to hear it, because I want to either suddenly realise that I'm wrong about everything in my entire life, or I want to you know, take it on and see if I can take it down and ex- see why it's wrong. Like it's either wrong or it's right, right. regardless of if I run away from it or not. So, I guess that's my like battle. I, I do, I do be careful to not, not like I try and screenshot and anonymize rather than mm-hmm. quote tweet because I think two reasons. One is I don't ever want to be responsible for a pylon even for a complete dickhead, because right. these they might be acting out because they've got something going on in their life or. You know that you just don't know the full story, um, and also because it is platforming them. You can quote tweet someone, and then all of my hate followers will all instantly follow them because,
0: yeah.
1: you know, they'll they'll all want
0: to bolster each other up. And so, yeah. Do you have a lot of hate followers that you know of?
1: Um, well, I, I guess I've got like a few different tiers of hate followers. I've got people <laughs> who, I've got people who weirdly will just. I've never seen them before and they'll be in like a decent sized account and they'll make a comment about something that I did from six months ago. And I'm like, gosh, I didn't even remember that. And you've remembered that about me. You like, which is really weird. And then I got these other um, type, which I, I guess I um, respect them to a degree where pretty much every tweet that I write, they'll argue with it. Mm-hmm. And I've got like a little, a little crew of people who who are at least
0: committed. Um <laughs>
1: They committed and they're, they're not not like disgusted. like right. there there are some anti-trans crew who are disgusted by trans people, disgusted by LGBT people at all mm-hmm. and if if I get one of those who starts replying to everything I say, someone who's like incapable of being rational, i I can't be asked to them. but if if they are someone who at least is attempting to be rational, they have some kind of worldview and they you know want towards then I'll just argue with all of them all the time. And it, it, I mean, it's kind of funny having hate followers. I guess it's scary because there are some people out there who genuinely hate me, which is a really horrible feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and scary, like, you know, what if I see one of them in in real life? What are they going to do? I don't know. I didn't even know. It's, but I try not to worry about, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm basically a nobody. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm not that exciting. So I hope people just kind of, slightly hate me rather than i haven't i haven't got anyone who's like committed their life to hating me yet so that's that's something
0: <laughs> and and i think i've heard you talk about before you're not a person who blocks people very um readily like you'll let people hang around for a while until they really yeah cross the line i've certainly
1: i've certainly got a few um like of my Little I argue with everything Katie says crew who have been arguing with me for months and maybe even years. Um, and that's fine. I I will block um, someone. I've, I've got a few rules for blocking. Generally, I don't block anyone. Um, if, if people start harassing me, I've had a few people who just write something horrible in every single one of my tweets. It's not even related to what I'm saying. They just mm-hmm. trying to go and, or, or like, that's something I can just mute them. But if they then start doing it to my followers and my friends and, you know, getting other people caught up in it. I'm like, I'm not I'm not having you harassing other people on my behalf. It's right. not, you know, space, which is rubbish. And I block people who block me and then reply to me because I think that's um, it's a bit lame.
0: Oh, yeah, that's um, really weird. I've oh, actually never even heard of that or thought of that.
1: Oh, there's so many of them because lots of the um, UK anti-trans crew use this block list which blocks... All Trans people basically, okay. Um, and but not all of them use it. So, one you know, one of the bigger name people will say something, I'll come in and disagree with them, <laughs> and all of their minions will have will see my reply, but they've all got me blocked, so they all reply to it. And quite often, I'll get like 12 replies, and I can only see one of them. <laughs> so, I go through go incognito mode and I see his reply to me. And if anyone's made a good, a good argument, I'll reply to it. And if not, I just block them back because
0: not no. Is it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I don't. Again, the reason I don't block people is at the moment my platform is a size where I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I can manage my like mental health and the energy I spend. It's a like sometimes it's too much for me, but lots of the time it's fine. And I don't want to have that like. I, and it's so rubbish. But people do have this kind of oh, if you block me, then it's because you couldn't take me on kind of thing. Right. right. And I'm a sucker for. You know, I get hooked into that. Someone's like, "Oh, you can't even, you can't even argue with me." I'm like, "Okay, I've just cleared two hours in my schedule. All of a sudden, let's go. I'm going to fight everything you've said." Like, (laughs) yeah. So, anyone listening who's a hate follower, like, please don't say that because it really does it lures me in.
0: (laughs) Do you? That's what I was going to ask you. You said occasionally you you just don't feel like doing it. Do you get tired of arguing so much? Like, do you get worn down? Do you feel like I don't want to do this anymore? It's not worth it. Nobody's changing their minds. Nobody's listening. Do you, what do you do when you feel tired of just arguing?
1: Um, I, I have, I have had like a, I guess, half serious burnout like three or four times where Mm. it's usually where something horrible happens in the news, like, um, Mm. One of the UK newspapers released like some really intense article back to back with another one, um, and just full of nonsense. Like, I, like when they just completely fabricate something, that quite gets to me because I'm like, right. I've been talking to people for hours and hours and hours, and putting all this time in, and they can just publish one bullshit article mm-hmm. with literally just completely fabricated nonsense. And more people, 10, hundred times more people will see that than I've ever interacted with.
0: Right.
1: And that's, that's quite demoralizing. And especially on occasion, I've had it where, um, like the other day, one newspaper put one of my tweets in there, like online thing without telling me. And in the morning, and I woke up to like so many hate notifications and that's quite, that's quite demoralizing. Yeah. But it's usually when I spent, it's usually a combination of things. If, if, um, I'm stressed about something else and then it's like that time in my sort of like hormony cycle and then also like something bad happens in the news and then someone says something just a bit too personal and then I sort of get this burnout Mm -hmm. but uh, other than burning out I guess I do have um, an inhuman amount of patience Uh, to my own detriment waste my life talking to people who are never going to change their minds regardless of any evidence and that is just hands down a waste of my life. But um, I guess I hear, I hear quite a lot from trans people who just say, you know, I'm glad to see someone standing up to them. Yeah. And I think, I think I feel the same when I see other trans people like destroying idiots in arguments. I just think that's really inspiring. I'm, you know, I, I hope that that has helped other people and I, people do message me that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I also have had quite a few messages from, um, cis people who were once gender critical slash like Mm -hmm. stuff um who have said i've changed my mind completely and like what you've said has helped and i've had people who have just been fence sitters say that and i've had quite a few people say like you know my niece is transgender or, Mm -hmm. or something like that and you know we've talked through it in dms um and i think that's helped so i I hope that I'm doing more good than bad, <laughs> but that I guess those things inspire me to keep going. Yeah. Um, and that, I'm just literally addicted to arguing. Like it's, it's a problem in my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the first step is admitting you have a problem, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, I was going to say that, like, I also think that it's amazing when trans people or, or any person who's, who's being pushed around and oppressed can stand up and say, here's exactly why what you're doing is wrong Mm -hmm. and, and make the solid argument. And, and you're one of those people who has the strength and has the patience and has the, um, you're just smart. You're just really smart, Katie. And, And, and I know that there are a lot of people in our community who maybe also all those other things, but they are fragile. They're, um, mm. they're scared. They don't have the support that they need. And so they feel like they can't, they feel like they can't stand up to this. They don't even know how to feel great about themselves, much less mm. push this, um,
1: yeah, it, argument. You do need to sort yourself out first before yeah.
0: push. That's a thing. So, so um, I think a lot of people do look to you for that because, you know, everybody needs a champion, and and I th- I really think that you are that for our community because there are a lot of people who can't go there. I I can't go there. I I I I tell people like I'm not I'm just not smart enough. I'm too I'm not tough enough to go into that arena, and so I really really personally appreciate it that you do. Thank you.
1: I I guess the first thing I'd say here is to everyone is never feel obliged like live your life first. Mm-hmm. You can you can live like outside of Twitter and when I'm sort of almost going looking for places to argue and correct people, <laughs> and you know, or if you click on a news article or watch the TV. But like you know, in my real life outside of Twitter, I don't encounter transphobia much, mm-hmm. um, like hardly ever. Uh, even when I was not passing and really obviously openly trans and stuff, because most people are just nice people. Yeah. Um, you can just go and live your life. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you need to do, then do it. Um, I think a lot of people feel obliged to, I mean, to be honest, I'm giving this advice while I myself do feel obliged to, but I think, you know, in general, I'd say that's that's a bad thing that you should try and get rid of. And it's something I'm working <laughs> on. But also like, um, you know, thank you very much for saying but nice stuff. I guess one thing i say is I am, like, I'm not a hero. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not, like, magic. I, no. I am literally just someone who has too much patience, who is a bit of a knobhead, who likes logic. And, and I care about this stuff. And uh-huh. um, it's not I'm, – I'm not – like in real life I'm not at all confrontational and you know, if some of these people came at me with the the disgust that they come at with me online, I couldn't handle it. You know, everyone has their yeah. own different realms and their own different sets of skills and in writing logical arguments is, is something that I'm just um capable of doing. So
0: but yeah, thank you. <laughs> what uh what else do people get from your online personality and your Twitter, when you're not being an argumentative knobhead, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the uh, the main things,
1: um, other than high quality selfies, um, <laughs> that people get oh. are um, hold on, people... anti mayonnaise um, propaganda, yeah. Which people obviously might appreciate. I don't. I'm, I'm, we've almost vanquished mayonnaise now. There's not many of them left, so I know you. We'll eventually destroy mayonnaise as a concept. You so. can't get
0: it in the stores now. It's just gone. The shelves are empty.
1: Yeah, that was part of it. Coronavirus is part of the anti mayonnaise uh, campaign. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, I, I'm opposed to all slimes that people sneak into sandwiches. That's mm-hmm. one of my
0: key values as a person. Slime-free sandwiches. Yep. so so what counts as slime though just are there some okay (laughs) here's the here's the main question if you're anti-slime on sandwiches how do you avoid getting Hmm. a dry sandwich what what can go on your sandwich
1: what's the ultimate sandwich goes bread cheese crisps or chips as you call them uh-huh. and then bread and it's dry and it's so dry that like sometimes <laughs> it gets stuck in your throat like that's the best kind of sandwich are you being I, serious uh, right now yeah legit that's okay. my that's my top level sandwich okay um you know if you need if you need moisture then just drink some water afterwards <laughs>
0: <laughs> a water sandwich okay yeah um
1: what yeah about- like um, mayonnaise and uh margarine and butter are the biggest offenders
0: Wait, you don't even like butter? No.
1: Why would I butter in a sandwich?
0: It's I didn't disgusting. know that. Because you toast it, and then you put garlic on it or something, and it's oh, delicious.
1: If you, if you melt it, then its texture changes, doesn't it? So, like... Just when it's like bread and then butter, uh-huh. and it's all, then it's just like slime. Like right. You could I you get could that. like it across the floor. I get Whereas that. Whereas if you if it's on toast, then it melts and it's like a, a salty liquid, and then it's a different it's a different kettle of fish. Ah, uh-huh.
0: so, I found a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you mentioned high quality selfies. Tell me about those.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I was kind of joking. Um, no, I, I think that um, I guess I have taken some selfies that I'm quite pleased with, and I it like I guess it's kind of hard to talk about this stuff, but I mean it's some um, it's something that I have spent time thinking and feeling about mm-hmm. is my appearance in general, and I, I guess most trans people, particularly probably more than cis people, have some issue with their appearance that. Yep. some stage in their life that's probably downplaying a bit like lots of trans people are very focused on their appearance early on in transition mm-hmm. and I think understandably because I mean it, it kind of makes it sound like very vain or like oh it's just what you look like but it's not like a haircut like there are right there's a big difference between like how you present yourself and like how your your body like the parts of you how how they actually are you know like there's a big difference between a human with a woman's haircut and a human with a man's haircut. And then like a man and a woman, like typical body shapes. And I think for me, particularly in the early stages of transition, taking a good selfie was quite important for me to be able to look back at when I'm feeling really dysphoric and Mm -hmm, think mm -hmm. when I took this, even if I don't see it now, I was happy with this. Yeah. And it might be good angle and good lighting. Um, and I've done a good job of makeup on that day or whatever, but it is it is still that is still a picture of me. Yeah. And, you know, for some people that will be the, that, that could even be someone who I know in real life's internal image of me. Because mm-hmm. um, you can never know mm-hmm. how, how quite how people see you. Um, and I, I kind of saw my transition through these selfies where I would often take one and then six months later, or six weeks or even like six minutes later, I'd right. be like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> but the thing is that... Then I take a better one and I look back at the older one and mm-hmm. I think, like, compared to this better one, how did I ever even tolerate that previous one? Mm-hmm. But at the time I was happy and now my new one I'm happy with and then maybe it's something I hate it and I like it on and off. But yes, it's just, it's almost like um, sort of like pressing control save. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a snapshot and it's something for you to look back on when you're feeling dysphoric, which is, I think, is quite, quite good. Can remoralise me, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. I've followed you for a while through transition. Um, So I've seen some of the major milestones that you've gone through. Um, But I don't think that I've really ever seen you share like, like what some people do, like the before and after pictures and um, before, before hormones and after hormones. What do you, what do you think about that phenomenon? What are your thoughts on that? I haven't
1: shared my before and after photo, Um, I guess the main reason is I just don't like looking at my old photos and I'm not really interested in sharing them. Maybe if you scour the internet you could find some, whatever. Uh, Please don't, but uh, it's rude and invasive um, and it's a bit like searching for nudes of a celebrity. It's just a bit pathetic. But, I mean, they're probably out there. And I... So I don't... don't, You know, that's my main reason. I guess some other things... That I think about is, but just a while ago, recently, one of the UK newspapers just chose a random trans man who wasn't like some big celebrity or anything and posted his before and after photos. I think it was even in the print version of their thing mm-hmm. in an article saying about the horrors of trans men transitioning. And like there was maybe a photo of him looking sad or something. Mm-hmm. And then a before and after. And they'd like, chosen really like they've been really deceptive about it and like right. this guy is really happy with his transition and he's like smashing it and stuff and he just woke up to this newspaper just basically just stolen his before and after photo mm-hmm. and like you know once it's out there once you've put this thing together some lazy journalist might take it or mm-hmm. you might end up some some tedious anti-trans compilation thing and mm-hmm. i'm just a bit i'm a, i guess i'm a bit over cautious um I don't ever want it to be a secret because I don't like having secrets. Mm. And I guess for my, before I came out, I always had this horrible secret yeah. that I was trans constantly burning into my mind. And it all, I was thinking, you know, what if someone found out somehow? Yeah. And just the idea of it ruining my life. And when I came out, I was like, that's it, I'm never going to have a secret again. And that, you know, I won't, in real life, I don't like, tell people I'm trans. If they work it out, that's fine. And it's the same with, Old photos of me, they're not a secret, but I'm not going to go around for animate people, I right. guess.
0: Right, yeah, I always say it's not a secret, but it's private. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a good way of putting it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do see other people's before and afters, and some of them are great, and I think... Earlier on in my transition, or perhaps before I started transitioning, they were quite important. I wanted to Mm -hmm. see what was possible. I wanted to find someone who had exactly the same horrible shaped head as me, turned into (laughs) a really beautiful woman with a lovely shaped hair. um, And, you know, maybe seeing my before and after could help someone who's in that exact position. So it's it's something I do consider, but I don't know. Um, There are a lot of them out there, and there are a lot better ones than my ones. So, (laughs) like, I I think it's... um, It's not something I'm interested in sharing particularly.
0: How long have you been transitioning, Katie? If that's that's an okay question.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is fine. Let me just just double check on my calendar because I'm coming up to um, my four years full time anniversary, which is on the 26th of May. Okay. Um, So that was so my full time. uh, I guess for any um, like cis people or other people, whoever, who's listening in, who doesn't know, like there's so many different terms for all these. Right. Like, I think before I knew much about LGBT people, I imagined that there was like one day where you come out and before you're in the closet and after you're not in the closet and it's just done. Um, but it's not like that at all. Um, no. For me, it took, <laughs> no, you're coming out forever. For me, it took, I think, over a year from the moment where I came out to myself to the, or when I came out to the first person that I told to when I came out to the rest the whole world. Um and so I mark the last date, which was when I told the people at work, which was the last day that I, you know, was still hiding it from anyone. And that's my main anniversary that I keep track of, which is this four year one. But from like starting to come out was eighteen months or longer before that. Um I think I was still twenty five even, so I kind of lost track but yeah it was um it was a long time before um so and and even like there was a stage in my life where I was kind of playing on the edge where I was going to the pub out and as myself and wearing what I want and presenting myself how I want and then going to work like still in the closet and I just thought I
0: did that overlap (laughs) between
1: my work and metal bars but like it's nervous yeah sorry you said you did it too
0: i did too yeah i was out everywhere in my life except my job for i guess probably about five months
1: um wow that's quite a long time i think for me it was i don't know maybe not quite that long but yeah scary
0: (laughs) it is it is well part of the part of the reason i asked about how long is because occasionally on your Twitter timeline, you'll talk about dysphoria or body image issues. And huh. and again, like I said, I've seen your I've been following you for a long time, so I've seen a lot of your transition milestones and a lot of the things you've um, achieved. How is dysphoria for you now compared to what it was then when you started?
1: Ask a good question. Um, I guess, like overall, dysphoria has improved transitioning has made my dysphoria less and Mm -hmm. um you know i'm just generally happy with my transition and all the decisions i've made in it um and i think that they've all made some kind of positive impact some more than others um but i still do have certain things that i feel quite dysphoric about and i have days where i think like god i just look just like I've not changed at all, and I just look like a man. And then other days I think, well, you know, I'm really happy with this. And if this is where I end up, then that's good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably true for everyone, to an extent. Mm-hmm. There's you grow up so much of your life burning this picture of what you, you know you what you're used to seeing is yeah. Is yourself, and then as a trans person, you're often like quite critical, especially in early transition. This bit of me looks like a Batman. This bit of me looks like a woman, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it can really drill into your brain. And you can teach yourself to look for these things. Yeah. And I think I've that's something I've really been focusing on in my transition now. Is like. Even sometimes cis women and cis men, I look and I'm like, oh, she's got a strong brow ridge, or, like, oh, he hasn't got much of an Adam's apple. and like, it's horrible, because it's, <laughs> it's so what? It doesn't mean anything. You're, these these individual features, you can be a beautiful woman, yep. or or a handsome man, or whatever, with, with or without any
0: features. Or a striking non-binary person.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and you... It's, you know, you're training your your brain to look what you want to improve in yourself, I guess. And that's sometimes then can become like a problem, I guess. Um And so that's something I'm working on getting rid of, which I think I'm doing quite well on. Um, but, yeah, I think that one of the problems as you get further along in transition um, is that you, it's it's less there. Like when you're when you're just living bef- in the closet, like before you've started transition at all, you just know you're just like, oh, I just look horrible. Well, that's mm-hmm. what I felt anyway. And I'm sure lots of people don't. Um, and so it was almost like you weren't trying. Like if you're not trying something, then you're not
0: failing at it. I right. guess. Yeah. No, that's and exactly now, like, what my experience was too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then now I'm much further on and like succeeding. Mm-hmm. Then. Every now and then, like, my little perfectionist engine inside sort of says, like, oh, you're still failing. And it it hurts more in some sense than it did when I wasn't trying. Yes. And I guess it's the same with, like, being clocked is that when you are – when you're not passing at all, every single person clocks you and you don't – like, that's – I mean, it can be painful, Mm -hmm. but – you can come to terms with it and just be like, that's just my life. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to the point where no one's clocked you in ages, and then suddenly someone does, it's, it's really painful because mm-hmm. it's so rare and it's not happened in, you know, six months, 12 months or whatever. So I think it's a case of your, your like happiness is subjective. And as things get better, the the lows seem as low as they always were, but they're actually not because... Like, the absolute low has become less low. Sorry, it's just hard to explain without drawing a diagram. I love graphs. There's another thing I do on Twitter. I love graphs, and I would draw a graph of this. I might draw a graph of this later, actually.
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) I agree with you. That's that's exactly my experience, too. I I knew that I had dysphoria before I really came out and self-accepted. But once I did, once I said the words out loud, I'm transgender and I'm going for this transition thing, that's when dysphoria was like, oh no, this is the worst yeah. feeling I have ever felt in my entire life. And it gets really, really bad. And then it starts to get a little bit better. But then when you hit those low points again, when you, you know, when your scooter goes over a little pebble in the, <laughs> in the road, like you really crash, you really wipe out. And yeah, and sure. it seems like as bad as it used to be, but, but like you said, it's much easier to bounce back. Mm. because you have all those other good things to 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 be confident in yeah for
1: sure and you have more experiences that when you're emotionally feeling low you can just be like no because the other day I did this and Mm -hmm. I've you know I've done this and I've done this and I know that objectively this is good and I'm just not feeling it like subjectively now and I need to just tell myself I'm wrong I guess Mm -hmm. um and I do Mm -hmm. think that this isn't really much different to other things in my life. I guess I'm a perfectionist in general, which is a curse. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, So I know you also play guitar very well. Mm-hmm. And, oh, thank um, you. To play guitar, um, for playing guitar, I often, like, I get in this room where I'm just like, I'm so rubbish at guitar. I'm, like, mm-hmm. naturally not good at it. I have, like, I'm like i not putting enough hours in and wasting my time on it. Like, I-, I never can write anything good. And then I'll play something. And record it and then like days later look at it and I'm like well, I, can't, I can't believe I'm that good like what, <laughs> why did I ever think it was bad and it's it's this like I know that 16 year old me who when I first started guitar if they saw me now would be like pff, like 10 times better guitar than I ever thought I'd get to this is incredible and it's the same with my transition if 16 year old me saw me now mm-hmm. I would like to think them like my god if I'm going to be like that pretty then i'm not even going to stress about this but then like me from three weeks ago would be like god you're so ugly what's wrong with you you're so bad at guitar (laughs) like like, have you not even tried yet like at least try and play guitar so you know i think i think everyone has those kind of voices in their head to um, to an extent of being overly critical of yourself Mm -hmm. But it's very easy Mm -hmm. to do to train yourself to do as well so try and train yourself not to do it
0: (laughs) Okay, here's something that I've been really curious about, in particular for you. A question that I particularly want okay. to ask you. You have a very large following, and so when you post a selfie, tons of people see it, tons of people respond to it. Sometimes you'll express some kind of dysphoria or dissatisfaction along with that selfie. And then a flood of people will tell you that you're wrong, that yeah. that you're their goals that you're beautiful that you only look like a woman how does that work psychologically for you to know how you feel about yourself but then to have this army of people say no absolutely not you're wrong what are you crazy like how how does that work in your brain when you're trying to deal with your own dysphoria Mm,
1: i guess the first thing i'll say on this is i never or I try to never, and I would like to think I hardly ever have post a selfie and say, like, oh I'm so ugly, just to get people to compliment me. Right, like right. I really, I really don't do that. And I like, right. sometimes I catch myself feeling that mm-hmm. and just thinking like I'm ugly and posting a selfie almost to like just say, Look, this is how ugly and then like, no, because this is just gonna look like I'm going for attention and that that isn't my my goal. Mm-hmm. Like if I wanted to do that, I'd do it all the time. So um, <laughs> but I I guess Part of me tries to take all the compliments on board. I think some people are very bad at accepting compliments, and I used to be really bad at accepting them. I think particularly trans women are generally bad at accepting compliments on their appearance. And I just try to think, like, I have to take all of these on board because... Mm Other opinions, other people's opinions of my appearance are just as valid as mine because appearance is entirely subjective. Mm-hmm. And if there are other people who think that I look good, then that counters out my I'm thinking I look bad. However, on the other hand, I also know that people are idiots. Like <laughs> I, I, I can very quickly dismiss people's opinion. Like if I, I guess guitar again, going back to guitar is another example is. Um, as I'm sure you you as a guitarist are aware you could do something very technical like it could be like some 15, 16 um, six string arpeggio like it, like with a, like some kind of syncopation or something and it could be a masterpiece and another guitarist could look at you and be like, wow, that was very good however I can see the mistake that you're annoyed about whereas most people would just have no idea and then they'll see someone just doing like some crappy three string three fret tapping thing and they'll think it's just as good Yeah, and they'll just be like wow they're incredible at guitar and you're like no okay you don't <laughs> know what you're talking about like I appreciate the sentiment of your compliment but also your opinion is kind of worthless in this case but right. like not, not in a horrible way but like so I, I try not to let myself throw the compliments away by just saying you don't know what you're talking about because you know people know as much what they're talking about as I do but at the same time, like I am aware of like the concept of hug boxing, mm-hmm. which I mean, people just do to their friends, right? Anyway, all the time, everyone in the world, and I think that's normal, and I think it's fine. But I, it does make me kind of disregard the value of the compliment a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard striking a balance. I, I never want to just be arrogant about my p- appearance because it'll be so easy to get shot down. You know, anyone can call you ugly and that can upset you. And also your appearance is like the least important part of you, really, as a person. Right. Um, but then on the other hand, your appearance is your most important part because it's the thing that every single person judges you on. Right. And, it, um, you know, it, it does make a difference. It does, and does, yeah. Like, uh, I, you know, I I, as a feminist will argue hard that no one should be judged on their appearance, and I really, really do make an effort to not judge people on their appearance. Like, I, in real life, on the internet, everything, even people I hate, even horrible people, like, their ideas are what makes them a bad person, not their appearance. Like, who cares if someone's ugly or whatever? But that doesn't mean that that's how the world works, and that is not how the world works. And I'm not under any illusion that the reason, like, cis people interact with me and other trans women they choose to interact with is if you meet some kind of beauty standard, they'll take you more seriously, and that's just a fact. Yeah. And, you know, I take good selfies, uh, like, I think, in general, like, without trying to sound like an arrogant knobhead. I think, you know, I, looked, I I think I look nice in some of my photos, and obviously other some people agree, and some people don't, and transphobes take me more seriously, like yep. academic gender critical people take me more seriously, even if they say they don't, y- you can feel it and you can see it. Yep. Um, and just other trans people even take me more seriously. And it's how the world works. And it's, um, I guess it's, it's a shame. I can't, I can't remember where that rant came from, but yeah.
0: No, so, I, I've talked yeah. about that on this podcast before. That's also my experience is that being, um, well, certainly being white, but also being uh-huh. cis-passing, um, is an enormous, enormous privilege, and people do take Sorry. you seriously and will listen to you more than someone who sort of fits the description of the scary trans person that they've been yeah. warned about by the newspapers or whatever, or the internet. Um mm. And that's, that's kind of hard to deal with. I I have a really hard time dealing with that because that's like privilege that I don't deserve. I haven't earned it. Um, And it's also privilege that hurts in some ways hurts other trans people. And I, I really struggle with that personally.
1: I guess how I would see the concept of privilege is that everyone deserves privilege And the injustice is that other people don't have it. Like you can, like if you take one of the most common examples, is like male privilege. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like as a cis man, you like you can academically know that women are harassed on the street, and that's something I knew before I came out. But until you've had it, you do not know. Like it's, and it is a true privilege to be ignorant of that. And in in a dream world it's not that men would be aware of it women would be ignorant of it too because it wouldn't happen mm-hmm. and i guess it's like i think all trans people who want to pass deserve like you know i guess like morally deserve yeah. um that because they're they're people and everyone deserves to be pretty and happy and you know so but the reality is that's not the case and I think being aware of that privilege is important because you do get, like, not to attack the trans community, but you do get people who feel that their appearance is part of their value and it makes them a better mm-hmm. trans person. Yeah, and I'm, we've all encountered the sort of yes. true trans people who think that if you don't pass, you're not a real trans person, which mm-hmm. is completely ridiculous. Like, it's, it's a the brain dead opinion, and and it's it's just one of these things where like. You know, so I guess how I see it is I am naturally gifted at maths and that's just a fact that's not me boasting and it's hard to talk about without sounding like I'm boasting especially when I've been boasting this whole episode but <laughs> like, um, it, it's just a fact I'm just better than average on most people on maths uh-huh. and that's reflected in my entire career and school and stuff but I'm aware that other people aren't good at maths, and I—I I haven't done anything to. I mean, I've you know I've done some math work, and I've got a degree and stuff that I obviously put effort into. Mm-hmm. But I'm naturally gifted at it, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean I'm better than someone who isn't. It's literally just totally random. Mm-hmm. If I if I re-rolled the dice t- to see which human I was going to be again, then I'd probably not be that. And that doesn't—I'm not a worse person because of it. Right. And it's like appearance is the most dice roll thing because. Mm-hmm. You know, you can become better at maths through hard work, but changing your appearance is, for some people, is mm-hmm. impossible because you need lots of money mm-hmm. um, and time and you need the eye for it. And, um, yeah, so yeah, I think just being aware of your privilege is step one in not exploiting it and not treading on people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try, like, I have a few times used my own appearance in an argument against an anti-trans person in fact I did it I think yesterday or the day before Mm -hmm. someone was like oh all trans people are just you know men with caked on makeup and like bad lipstick and like they they all look like what and it's all instagram filters and so I just posted the picture and like here is a bad angle photo of me and I'm not wearing any makeup and there are no filters judge for yourself what I look like because I mean, like, maybe I still think I look like a man. Who cares? But they were still wrong about everything else they said. Right. But I don't want to be one of these people who's like, well, I'm I'm pretty. Like, what are you talking about? Because it's like, it kind of just seems self-congratulatory. Right. Unless I'm making an actual argument, I try and use other people. There are trans people who are way prettier than me, and that's fine. Um, like, I mean, I wish I was the prettiest one of all, but like.
0: Um, <laughs> we all do. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, I wish we were all the prettiest one of all. Um, um, (laughs) But yeah, it's like the the, uh, for for like arguments and stuff. I try not to use myself as an example. I guess I don't know. That was a bit of a a ramble. But yeah.
0: All right. So you have brought the conversation to guitars and music several times, and I've always redirected us back around to trans stuff and Twitter and (laughs) things like that. So now I want to give you space, give us space to talk about music and guitar playing and metal bars and festivals and all that stuff that you are also so, so passionate about. So my first question is what what is it about metal? How did you get into metal? Why do you love it so much? Um, so,
1: like, it's it's really hard to say. I guess my my thing that I say about music and all art is, if you don't like it, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. And there was so I I barely like any films at all. I just straight up admit it's just because I don't get them. Even rubbish music that you think is objectively rubbish, someone likes it. The person who wrote it likes it, and they get it, and you don't. And So you shouldn't really be judgmental of other people's music. So, like, the reason I like metal is because I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, I keep saying, like, oh, it speaks to me. But, like, I guess it does. Yeah. It's it's over the top. It's fast. It's, like, for me, it's dancing music. It gives me lots of energy. um, It's happy. It's basically the opposite of what the stereotype is. Everyone thinks, oh, it's angry and depressing. Mm -hmm. And they all hate each other. And, like, there's nothing that makes me happier than... Metal. I think there have been times in my, laugh, my life where I've been so happy I've laughed and cried with just joy. Mm-hmm. And they've pretty much all been in, like, really fast-paced mosh pits for, like, <laughs> Slayer or something. And, like, I, that is just me at the peak of my life. And, um, I, yeah, so so I got into metal. Um, I first discovered Guns N' Roses because mm-hmm. my friend's dad was playing in his car. And um, I thought, oh, this is cool. This is just like quite catchy. Which Got album was it? Appetite for Destruction. Okay, yeah, um, I you know, Which one. is the best album? And the, like right. the best hard rock album ever.
0: Right, it's, it's a flawless it's album, just, back to front. It's, it's
1: every single song is the best song on there. Yep. like definitely, uh, Though Night Train is the best. But I like the Night
0: Train all- too, I can do all yes. the words and everything.
1: <laughs> oh, amazing! <laughs> um, it's annoying because it's the whole album's in e-flat standard Mm -hmm. and my guitar has a floating bridge so I can't be bothered to retune to that to learn it all but I will one day I'm going to learn the whole album on all the solos and everything um yeah and then I from there I got into Iron Maiden and then from there I got into Metallica and then Megadeth and I still hated like everything with harsh vocals in didn't like screaming and growling and stuff Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to get into them and the first band actually I ever discovered this is going to get a bit niche now the first band I ever discovered that I really loved that was like that was uh, Necrophagist okay who are a German technical death metal band who only released two albums and they like changed the landscape for technical death metal okay um they're amazing I strongly recommend checking them out it's aged pretty well um but the reason I really love that is because it it was so technical. It just took all of the meat all of the instruments to like the next level and as well as the energy and the atmosphere and stuff that metal brings and all the emotions, it's over the top difficult it's it's mad. It's like math's in action. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 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 lured me and so that's that's another like what metal has is it. It has the two parts of my brain It, it like my maths brain appreciates mm-hmm. it and my art brain appreciates it mm-hmm. and it's the perfect like, crossover of the two I love that but I guess when when people say like oh you know do I identify as a woman or do you identify as trans or whatever for me I identify as a metal head that's just it that's like if someone what's the most important part of your identity like being a trans person and being a woman is there are things I am mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. in the same way that I am I have blue eyes and You know, I am born in England, whatever. Um, But metal is, like, why I am. That's the type of person I am. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's... Most of my friends in real life are metalheads. And they're just the kind of people I get on with and the kind of music I like, and it's just what I live for. And before I came out, that was the biggest thing I was scared of losing. I was like, Mm -hmm. can I be a trans Mm -hmm. woman in the metal scene? Can... You know, am I going to lose all my friends? Am I going to not be able to watch bands without being harassed? And, like, I spent a lot of time just looking for other metalheads who were also trans, mm. and it was quite hard to find it at the start because, I guess, metalheads kind of have their own world, and in metalhead world, metal is all there is. So you don't really get people talking about their... Things. They'll say, oh, you know, I've had a difficult past or I haven't or whatever. And that was kind of it. And then let's talk about Slayer or something. Right. Um, and, yeah, and I did actually find a trans woman who's in a metal band. Um, and the metal band is called Cretin. Um, and... I think she's called Marissa. I'm not sure. Sorry if she's listening. Um, but she was the first trans woman who was in a metal band. And I discovered this like interview with some crappy site like ages ago. And they were like asking about a new album and they're like, Oh, by the way, you're trans. Like, how's that? And she's like, basically, she's basically like, yeah, how's that? And, and I was just like, wow, it's so normal. Like, it's such a, it's such a relief that she didn't care. The interviewer didn't really care. Mm -hmm. Um, She's still touring. They're still like playing with big bands. I looked at who they toured with and stuff, and that like I was quite relieved at that. And mm-hmm. like, and metalheads in general are the kind of if you're not pissing me off, I won't piss you off kind of people. They kind yeah. of the whole attitude of it because I guess particularly lots of older metalheads grew up in the Satanic Panic in the eighties yeah. when people thought you were the devil and I guess it was like pretty much the same as the trans panic. Now is just complete nonsense fabricated about them to make them seem scarier than they were. And so lots of them kind of uh, like appreciate the society thinks you're weird and Mm -hmm. um, you have to make your own friends and your own culture and stuff. And um, so I was, I was optimistic in that sense, but in the other sense, like at least some metal is quite, misogynistic and homophobic like especially all the 80s like hair metal stuff mm-hmm. it's um it's very male dominated well mm-hmm. very you know, cis male dominated straight cis male dominated like right. there's, a, there's a very like most metal heads are just straight white cis men and yep. that's just how it is yep. and i was like you know does that i mean even if they can tolerate me is they gonna like is just gonna destroy my sort of position credibility network and all this kind of stuff and they just didn't like all of my metal friends have been absolutely amazing every single metal person i meet like they generally don't care and if they do care they ask like one way overly personal question and then they get a really <laughs> personal answer and they back off straight away because they didn't actually want to know um, what's then the we question just talk about and the answer well, you know, someone would be just they be sitting there, and you can always feel it coming. I'm sure you've had it too, uh like you're talking about stuff, and the conversation dies down, and then they're like, then they start doing their like preamble, where they're like, oh, I don't, I don't like want to like you know, I think you're one of my mates, so I, I don't want to like offend you. I was just like, you know, I've just, I'm just sitting, I'm just interested, I'm just interested. I'm like, oh, here we go, <laughs> like, yeah, come on, get out, get out, get out, get out like, and I'm like, oh, before I've cu- when I've been drunk, I just cut people off and I'm like, mate, I don't care about any of this preamble bullshit. I've talked to people. Who have said ten times worse things than whatever you're about to say? Just word it how you want it. Don't worry about offending me. I'll tell you the answer, and then you're going to regret asking it. And they'll be like, like what? Like you know, how how, like how did you know? And then like they'll ask some generic question like, what genitals do you have, or how did you know (laughs) you're a woman, or something. And then I'm like, well, in general, trans people find this, and my experience fits in like this. And I just give them the the Twitter answer. Right. And I find that if I give them the full answer, they learn something. And they also then either decide they want to talk to me more about it and they're interested, which people do do, or most of the time they're like, oh, I'm not really that interested after all. And then they'll just be friends and it's just fine. And I like, so with all my metal friends in real life, you know, I, I have, I think they will know I'm trans. I don't mind if they do or don't. And they will know that they can just ask me anything if they want to. Mm-hmm. But it's just mm-hmm. not, it's, it isn't a big part of my life outside of of Twitter and I try and really try and keep it all to Twitter um, because then then it's compartmentalized and I mean I that is actually impossible As sort of to go back to Twitter things is you know in the UK at the moment there's a horrible amount of transphobia and they're trying to take away rights to go to the toilet and they're trying to take away health care and they're blocking basic progress laws so we have the same marriage and all kinds of stuff and Mm -hmm. yeah i can turn twitter off like they can but then if i turn twitter off and then they pass a law banning me from the toilet they've ruined my life whereas if they turn twitter off they've got nothing to lose but i still do really try my best to keep it confined to twitter and i have like my facebook as a metalhead only zone and try not to (laughs) try not to talk about trans stuff at all on there so
0: Okay, so you can only go to one metal show for the rest of your life. One one band, not a festival.
1: One band? One
0: band for the rest of your life. What show are you going to?
1: I think I would probably have to pick Creator, German thrash Metal Band from the 80s, mm-hmm. because... Oh, yeah, so it's a tie between them and Municipal Waste, which is an American thrash Metal Band from the early 2000s, because... I live for mosh pits, Mm -hmm. which for anyone who doesn't know, I describe mosh pitting as full contact dancing. (laughs) Um, It's just dancing, but with like no rules on how you move. There's just rules on making sure you, no one falls over and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the best mosh pits of my life have been creator, municipal waste, dragon force, Meshuggah, there's been a few, but I think Creator, I think the best mosh pit of my life was Creator at Bloodstock 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I didn't even really know Creator that well at the time. They played for an hour. They just played songs like back to back. I was in the circle pit the entire time. Um, so good. Like, unbelievable. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's the band I'd have to pick just because their live experience is amazing.
0: Which uh, metal band needs to hang it up and go home? <laughs> um <laughs>
1: God, quite a few, probably. I think, um, well, Slayer, and they just did. They so. just did, yeah. That's a safe answer. That's Easy, a safe answer. Easy answer. Easy
0: answer. Easy answer. I think.
1: Oh, I don't know whether I should say it or not, just in case anyone listens back.
0: You <laughs> don't have to. You don't have to. I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah, so I, honestly, I think like I, I I love so many bands. I think some people are like they struggle to come up with a top even 20 bands they like. And, like, I would struggle to only do a top 500. Like, definitely would struggle to fit in only 500 bands. And there were just so many good ones, so it's hard to say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What kind of guitar do you play? I'm curious. This is just a me question at this point.
1: (laughs) That's right. Oh, hello, Cat. Curious Cat's just appeared on on the show. I have an Ibanez RG655, which is... Um, roughly a thousand pounds I think Um, and it has a floating bridge and it is kind of orange I like it because Ibanez guitars are nice to play and it's of not just bright colour and you can do dive bombs so it goes boom (laughs) um, which is pretty much what the essentials (laughs) I have I have three
0: Ibanez guitars
1: (gasps) so I've only got one electric guitar like six string electric guitar oh okay I and i've you got more well i've got one that i play and i've got one that i've given a long-term loan to a friend and it's rubbish okay. um <laughs> he knows that i've got one bass that i play well i've got two basses i play i guess i've got mm-hmm. um, a four string fender jazz aerodyne which nice. is amazing and i've got like a cheap six string bass which is just there for if i never need to do six string stuff mm-hmm. um and that's it yeah, so I'm, I'm not... A, so I think with everything in my life, I'm not a things person. Mm. I'm like a concepts person. So I don't have loads of guitars because for me, I, I don't really like gear. I don't care about... I don't care about the amp. I don't care about the guitar. I don't, like, As long as I can play it and I can do the music, mm-hmm. then the music's the thing. I don't care about the tone, which hurts a lot of people. I don't care about any of that stuff. Um... Yeah, and I guess it's the same with. They're just like everything in my life. I don't have loads of things. I just have. Mm-hmm. As long as it does what it's supposed to do, then it's it's good for me.
0: Yeah. What kind of tone do you tend to go for? <laughs> well, because you because like, you love thrash metal, right? So
1: yeah, just the thrashiest tone. Basically, Exodus is my favorite oh. thrash metal guitar tone. Absolutely love Exodus, but basically, if I. Um, sort of from the song blacklist mm-hmm. which is a really like tuk, 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 song <laughs> that like chug guitar sound that's pretty much just that's peak guitar that is um just to, when it kind of makes you screw up your face I think that listening to a good metal riff is like eating like if you're if you like cheese and you eat some really strong cheese and it, it's almost painful like when you're like oh this, this cheese burns, like is yeah. so good. And, it, and it's, like, same with maybe olives as well. When you eat them, and you're like, oh, it's almost making my face... Like, I love it, but it's making me screw my face up. Like, some riffs, like, <laughs> as well, like, my sugar or like, some of their riffs when you're just like, oh, this is disgusting. Like, I love that. It's so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that, too. I love that, too. Well... Mm-hmm. Katie, we've talked for over an hour now, and it has been, every minute of it has been so entertaining and so good. And I love listening to your thoughts and your experiences. And I think that a lot of people who listen to this will be very interested to get to know you in a longer form like this, since most people know you well, know, know you best from very short form Twitter. Um, yeah. And so I think I think people will really, really enjoy this. So thank you so much for... Oh for sitting down and talking with me.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really great to talk to you and it's been great to meet you finally. Yeah. And, um, I hope I haven't just rambled about me too much. I, nope. I um, Yeah, I really appreciate being here. It's been amazing. And I am planning to do something on YouTube in the future. And I will totally have you back on my thing for you to remember Yay. about you. Um, because that would be wicked. Um, yeah, definitely. I'd like to hang out more generally in the future because it's it's I w- cool. I would love that. <laughs> we can just too. talk about thrash metal guitar tones for two hours <laughs> and then everyone <laughs> can log off and then, then we'll start, yeah, talk about a secret plan to take over the world after everyone's got bored. <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you very much for having me. So uh, speaking of YouTube and, and things you're doing, will you tell people where they can find you on Twitter and, and what else you might have going on?
1: Yeah, so on Twitter, I am Katie Montgomery, um, my name is Katie with a Y and Montgomery with an IE, which is backwards to how everyone wants to spell it. Um, and I think I'm the same on YouTube. You can find me on YouTube by Googling that anyway. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, I am completely Katie. Um, and I guess they're the only things that I really bother with. Um, and yeah, so I have the general idea that I'm going to start ramping up my YouTube. We'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but for now, Twitter and Instagram are the places to find yeah, you. If you-
1: If you want to see me um, turn into a robot and argue logical contradictions with people, then come to Twitter. And if you want to talk to a human, then come to Instagram.
0: (laughs) Perfect. I think that is a great description and gives uh, people everything they need to know.
1: and you can't escape insect facts if you go to either of them you're going to get them whether you want them or not that's right
0: insect fact oh i should have asked you about that about your love for love for insects but uh we'll have to do another episode we'll have to do another episode where you come back and just exclusively talk about insects
1: yeah okay we'll do half of the time on bees and the other half the time on wasps okay um perfect
0: (laughs) cool well thank you so much for joining me katie i really appreciate it
1: thanks for having me
0: Well, that's the episode. Thank you so much to Katie for joining me on Oh Hey Kiri. And I hope everybody's doing okay with this pandemic thing. I'm, I mean, I said on the last episode, I'm not doing that great myself. But um, anyway, I'm still trying to bring the show to you as often as I can and in as best the way I can. So the best way is to engage with the show. You can email me, ohheykiri at gmail.com. You can leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. You can also go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash ohheykiri. Um, thank you so much to patrons who have uh, pl- made pledges this week. I really appreciate it, especially because I'm a little bit struggling to produce content right now, but I am trying to get better. So thank you so much for the support and encouragement from everybody and uh, we'll see you next time.